Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Make mistakes, fail, put your skin in the game, build that credibility through that have those scars and good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment so you gotta have those welcome to the best ever show the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff hello best ever listeners welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show i'm ash patel and i'm with today's guest hamil badiani Hemel is joining us from North Carolina. He is the CEO and founder of Exponential Equity, which builds and buys assets in the Carolinas, most of which are multifamily. Hemel is a GP on 744 units and has $60 million of ongoing construction projects that include self-storage and build-to-rent. He is also an LP on 2,000 units. Hemel, thank you for joining us, and how are you today? I'm doing phenomenal. Thanks for inviting me here, Ash. I think yeah, I, it's, our, I was, it's our pleasure, man. Before yeah. we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. So I think I was on this podcast about 16 months back and I announced to the world that I quit my job back then. And suffice to say, I've been full time since about a year now. So it came about true. So I'm hoping that whatever I say on this podcast 
would come true for the next year or so. But a little bit about my background. I, I was in management consulting for about 15 years. I lived in three continents, worked with everybody from Disney theme parks, the Vatican. So amazing, amazing Fortune 100 companies that I could stand in front of the CEOs and CFOs of the world and really give them advice. Even as a 22-year-old, it's just fascinating to me, but help them pivot their businesses, right? Whether it's scaling new products, innovation, cost-cutting, mergers and acquisitions, what have you. So I did that for about 15 years. Then I had a twin event, so-called twin babies, now almost seven-year-olds. So decided to define work-life balance differently than the consulting life, which is traveling pretty much every week, Monday through Friday, going to the client site, as you know. So hung up my traveling boots, shifted to the financial world. I was a senior vice president with Wells Fargo for a bit. And that was a nice, cushy job with an assistant, small team, and allowed me to get sufficiently bored and introspect what I wanted to do. So I figured out very clearly that I'm not a new ideas guy, but if I find an idea, I can scale it up pretty nicely. So started the experimentation of the side hustle while I was at the job in my corporate world. So I started an outsourcing company, scaled that and exited, then a private lending company. Then in 2019, residential real estate, mostly flips and paper wholesale, and had a team of 10, 15 employees there. I wasn't enjoying just the transactional nature of it. And it didn't feel like I was building a proper company, even though I had employees and systems and processes and everything in place. So exited that two months before COVID hit. And right when COVID started, found this amazing world of multifamily and commercial in general. And that's what started the last 24-month journey for us, which has been amazing and very grateful for that. How did you find this world? I stumbled upon it. I went to a local meetup and I was just learning about what else is out there. And some newish, they'd done three to five deals. Type of operators were just doing elbow grease and they were working. And just the general structure of the project, the way they were thinking in terms of scale, the way it was a team sport versus what I was doing, all that just somehow clicked in my head. So I took that knowledge over a glass of whiskey with a few of my friends. And we sat down and I'm like, guys, I found this Zen meditation in the world of investments. And we were not thinking about building a business around it or anything. I was just, I wanted to passively invest initially. So I found out of the five, six people we were talking over a few drinks, one of the guys who was great friends of mine, now my business partner, CEO, he raised his hand and he's like, hey, let's invest in some education, go to a couple of boot camps or not subscribe to any big $30,000 courses, but at least go meet people. Let's see if this is really the magic that you envision. And we set upon this journey of education and that led to passive investments and then actively, very consciously figuring out what do we want to build as a company? And that started the journey. A side question, when you were new looking to educate yourself and going to meetups, how did you get people to take you seriously? I told them about my business history and I was very authentic about what I don't know and what I know. And I said, hey guys, I have two decades of corporate world experience. I've stood in front of people and sold them $500 million of consulting world to improve their businesses. So I'm good at something. This is completely new. And I don't intend to learn in specific competency. My wife doesn't even trust me with a nail gun in my house, right? So I'm not a construction guy. 
I don't know about sideboard harding or anything of that sort. I know how to build teams. I know how to figure out this is a good idea and find competent, very experienced people to surround myself with and then just build a company around it. And that's what I was intending to do. And so people attracted to that authenticity and on the competency that I bring to the table, which many of them don't when they're just operating in a very specific world of detail-oriented, whether it's acquisitions or underwriting or anything of that sort. And Hamill, did you start out as a passive investor or did you start taking down deals first? No, we did five passive investments from April 2020, right when COVID hit, on our own money down to August 2020. And after the first or second, my partner and I, we sat down and we're like, we could do this 15, 20 times, cycle our money. And this could be a good, nice, long-term cash flow gig. And somebody else is managing the business. Or do we really want to build a company around it? And that's elbow grease. That's going to be hard work. Are we really set up for that? So we made the decision that we want to be owner operators so then from the second or third passive investment, we started asking for a little bit more. And we started getting five different playbooks, essentially, for up-and-coming operators. And that was our training. Rather than subscribing to long boot camps or anything, we asked these owner operators to basically open up the books on how they manage properties, how they do reporting, how they do communication, what sort of materials they're buying from their all of that. And we are like, all right, we have five different playbooks. What is our playbook? We kind of distilled down our own version and start evolving. I think we bought our first property in September of 2020. So six months after you started passive investing, Pretty much. what was that first property? It was 208 units in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was distressed, 55% occupied, but it was unbelievable price. That was a period when sellers were really scared. That last 100, 150 days of 2020, where the market was like, we didn't have the Fed's injection of quantitative easing or anything of that sort, macroeconomically speaking. So sellers were willing to give us discount. So we got that for 28000 a door, which was unbelievable. We just refinanced it at 89 a door. And we got seller to carry some note gathered around some troops for operating it. And that was our first elbow grease property. I think the first week we went by there, it was an awesome experience. And then we went from there. What was the purchase price on that? It was five and a half million. And did you raise capital for that? Yep. Total all-in cost was eight million. And we raised about two and a half million total. And we had to bring in a lot of cavalry because we started the usual hey, I've discovered this meditation technique that if I show it to everyone, they'll be like, oh, this is the best thing since sliced bread. Everybody and their mother would want to invest with us because that's the best thing to do. And when we went out to our friends and family, we got a wide variety of responses. And so we gathered a lot of capital from our friends and family, but it was quite an experience to understand just fundamentals of marketing and branding and funnel building and all of the lovely stuff that we now think about when people were like, yeah, I got the money. I trust you guys completely. I know where you live. I know you won't screw things up, but I don't want to invest because I know my stock market's going <laughs> to come back and I love it so much. I love the watching of the ticker go up or whatever reason is, right? So we did that and we found other partners. We all chipped in together and we somehow closed the deal from that perspective. 
You're in North Carolina. Why buy in Tulsa? So that was, a, again, a very conscious effort, and that's since evolved in 2021, 2022. The 2020 market, we were like, we need to get unicorns and home runs really sorted out because we're building a resume, so to speak. And for that, the markets didn't matter. The asset and the discipline mattered, right? If you can physically get something that's 55% occupied, just like you're doing with your triple net leases, if it's 50% vacant, I can get it to 100% vacant versus just projecting rent increases all the time. There is that value at upside that is built into that additional fill out of the lot. So that's what we believed in this asset. We got the seller to carry a note that allowed us to alleviate some of our capital raising abilities. And that's how we kind of procured the first one. So first three assets we bought in the last hundred days of 2020, they were all outside of North Carolina. And since then, everything has been Carolinas for us. Hamill, what were some of the pain points on remotely managing that property? It was finding the right property management company. It's, to be honest, if you have the right resources, is what we found out. We have a property an hour and a half from us that's more painful to manage than the Tulsa property because the Tulsa property has a very local, phenomenal property management company and we just lucked out. In the second asset that we bought in Louisiana, the property management company wasn't great and the occupancy dropped by 10, 20%. So the pain point was A, believing, which was very short-lived, that this was a passive type of project. Just like my single family rentals, I can hire a property manager and they have one tenant and unless the tenant screws up, I'm just getting my check. This was an active business. And even though we were very conscious about it, really building the dashboard and KPIs, which Yomesh, my partner, has done now, and we have a full-time asset manager and team kind of built around it to really systematize all those asks and checks and balances with any property management company. That was the learning curve and the pain point, so to speak. Your career seems to revolve around scaling. Yeah. What is it that makes you so good at scaling and how do you scale? I scale with two fundamentals. One, find the right person who has the right values, alignment, integrity, hunger, and drive that I carry, who subscribe to my vision. So each employee, each partner that we bring to the table, strategically otherwise, I want to work with people that I can bring to my family and they can barbecue with us over the weekend, et cetera. So that's fundamental number one. And Two is just staying nimble and flexible. A lot of people, even though we stay in our lane, the market is so dynamic over the last two years, as you very well know. We've changed so many times the way we want to operate, and that's what we decide every quarter. That allows us to continue to build the horizontal stuff, which is the marketing, the HR side, the technology side, all the things that we need. But then vertically, we're building different divisions of the companies where I can, based on where the market is, I can accelerate it a little bit more versus slow down purchase of multifamily. The cap rates are super compressed. We don't need to buy as many versus we can do something else here in the land side or the construction side, et cetera, et cetera. So that nimble and flexibility side of things to just not marry to an idea for a long period of time. And then surrounding myself, there are like 10 people standing on a traffic light trying to cross the road and some random stranger wants to ask for directions. They'll probably come to me. I just carry that vibe, man. People want to work with us and they move towns. 
my acquisitions director moved to his whole family. My head of new development sold his firm to join us. It's just been amazing to see that. Hamill, the Carolinas are very competitive. How do you find deals today? That's a great question. First quarter of 2021, we bought a very large anchor asset an hour and a half from us in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So that allowed us to build the credibility and resume with the brokers to kind of send us deals. But then we started getting pushed out of because of the compressed cap rates and people were just buying silly stuff from our vantage point. So we started pivoting and saying, well, do we really need to thump our chest and buy big stuff? Or can we just buy smaller deals where there are not 50 people bidding on it and the broker can still confidently say, same street, 70 unit is 70,000 a door, 100 unit plus is 130, 140 a door, same vintage, same look, everything. We'd rather buy a 70 unit and stitch together an assemblage of portfolio that we can then self-manage because self-management and vertical integration was our goal. So we pivoted in 2021 to get to smaller deals. And we also expanded it in the construction space because we knew that we can find land. We know the paths of progress. We can talk to the economic development groups. We can go here, understand the political landscape, where the growth is coming in the Charlotte MSA, where capacity is there, et cetera, et cetera. And that allows us to put strategic bets on the construction side. So we built that business. And then 2022, we built the land business. We hired two retired guys who had 60 plus years of land experience because they were in the utility side and the planning side of different counties here in the Charlotte market. So now we can go to each mayor of the county and say, oh, well, where, where do you want to grow? And then we start backwards and say, okay, this is the pocket they want to see growth next. So they're very open. And now we go and find land there, buy land, rezone it, sell it to ourselves or someone else. If you sell it to ourselves, we'll build on it maybe sell it to ourselves on the existing side and then manage it with property management company. So that's kind of the life cycle and vertical integration we're creating. So it's a very different structure to buying stuff than typical syndication of you need to buy 300 units every quarter. We, we don't do that. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. When it comes to scaling your real estate business, is lack of capital holding you back? Raising private capital on demand can be a major challenge, but you can get the knowledge and tools you need to succeed when you attend Dana Cornell's three-hour Raise Capital Masterclass Live. After starting out with no capital or relationships, Dana has raised over $2 billion, that's with a B, billion dollars twice in the last 20 years, and he has made it his mission to share the best of what he's learned with business owners and real estate investors like you. You can learn more at danacornell.com forward slash best ever. Dana's Raise Capital Masterclass allows you to immediately unlock and raise capital on demand, drastically increasing your business's growth. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, go to danacornell.com forward slash best ever and enroll today. And right now, best ever listeners, you can enroll for over $500 off. Go to danacornell.com forward slash best ever. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. 
They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive Investor Guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. You whimsically said we hired these two guys. Explain that to me. Did you try them out first? Did yeah. you just hire them to scale? Hope so it was, uh, again, it's magic, man. We find people. We had a very large track of land, 155 acres of land that we could build 300 homes on. We had a contract with a national developer to sell it, basically rezone and be able to sell it at 3x what we were buying. It's an amazing transaction, amazing profitability. We had a snack politically where we were starting to get no votes for growth. The county wasn't that comfortable or seemingly so for that land to be rezoned and annexed into the county. They didn't want to see 300 homes come there for whatever reason. So we just randomly searched for a fixer that knew that county and could help us navigate and orchestrate a much better, much crisper presentation on why this is the best thing to happen to the county and why they should say yes to. So we basically dated before we married and this one person, and he brought the second person, they came as a team. And then we started talking. Again, the same conversation happens. We love the vision that you have, the way you're building the company, the humility that you possess. How do we work together? And I'm like, let's bring you on board and let's find 2,000 acres of land in the next 12 months and let's get all of them rezoned and just fill out the pipeline. And so that's how they join us after a few months. Interesting. You hired people and they were not able to pay for themselves initially. Yes. Is that a big secret to scaling? It is. It's aligning their interest. It's having a genuine conversation. Everybody sees success differently and that evolves. So it's having a conversation, putting yourself in their shoes and saying, what do you really want to be? If you say, I want to be Hemel in 12 months, well, I'm not ready to give up my seat yet, maybe 10 years. But if you say, hey, I want to double my income. I want to make sure my family is okay. I want to stay flexible in my hours or my college kids are coming of age and you have this gap in the nest egg. Structuring something that allows us to have now vision plus long-term reliance and the symbiotic nature with us allows them to work with us much more flexibly and be with us for a longer time. And then the second thing is I look people in the eye. I'm a very trusting guy. So once I find the right person, I trust them so much, they get uncomfortable sleeping at night. I look at them and I'm like, I know you got this. And they just do magic and they go above and beyond. So there's just factors in leadership 101 that I think everybody intrinsically who are good leaders who have people surrounded and provide that kind of support to teams, however small or large they are, they kind of know intrinsically. But I love talking about it because that's what I did for 20 years, essentially, in the corporate world. What's one of the hardest lessons you've learned in real estate? 
It's a slow game, man. It's not like the tech world. You have to really bake it. Sort of spend years and years and years in terms of getting there. I'm talking it. about a lesson that just kicked your teeth in and <laughs> yeah. hit in your stomach. It, like, yeah, if that's the case. Last year, we had a huge, huge $45 million deal that we walked away from after losing due diligence money on it, which we contested. And it was a significant amount of money that we lost. And the biggest lesson was whenever we let our excitement and emotions take over the due process and math, it's an easy business if you do the due process and math. It's not easy in terms of not putting the hours. I work seven days a week, but it's easier to find the right things for yourself. If you do the math, have a due process and structure created and you follow it all the time and evolve and continuous improvement. But if you get your excitement, let you diverge from that process, you can get knocked down pretty quickly. So even though we've stayed super risk mitigated, we have zero dollars of recourse debt, even in the construction world, we like to be in a very safe position from our investors' money. Less returns, that's fine, but never lose a dime of investors' money. But that was a big lesson learned. That was a $45 million project that came to us from someone else. They said they did the due diligence. We trusted them. We didn't follow our process. We leveraged the documents that were provided by the sellers. And we found out there's a misleading set of financial information once we got under contract and the deposit was given. So that hard to back out of. Personally, lost money on it. But that's taught us a lot of things. How much was the earnest money that you guys lost? It was 385000 Yeah. That's a tough one, man. It's a tough one. But if I had bought it and three years later, I'd lost investors' money on it, my reputation, my credibility would have been on the line. I would do yeah. it any day of the week. It's very hard to do. Yeah. It's always hard to walk away from those knowing you're going to lose money. And it often clouds your judgment because you yeah. don't want to loss. Right? Yeah. But it's taking the emotion out of the equation. So good for you on that one. Good lesson learned. How do you have all non-recourse debt? <laughs> we have some badass brokers and we shop for it. And that's our criteria. A lot of people have come to us and said, yeah, if you sign recourse, I'll give you higher leverage. And if you do personal guarantee, I just don't sleep well at night with recourse debt. So we have 120 million in real estate, including three construction projects, zero non-recourse so far. Interesting. So you have to put a lot more money down on deals? Sometimes. Four months back, pre this crazy Fed interest rate hike and all the other macroeconomic changes that have happened, we used to get 80% leverage plus 100% CapEx. We never gone to 90. That's too much leverage from my vantage point. But good 80% leverage any deal of the week we'd get with non-recourse. Hamill, how did you get into Build to Rent? We found out from a couple of masterminds that built to rent is becoming much more viable economically in terms of attractiveness of capital and also the way things could be structured. It's like horizontal apartment building. You get more space with COVID and other things happening. Just people need their own privacy, but they also want rent because of fundamentals in the market. So when we started looking at land and the two guys we have, plus Brandon, my head of new development, our third partner there, we started looking at large track of lands that we could rezone. 
and just strategically found a couple of parcels that were just conducive to a great path of progress built to rent community. And so we said, how do we explore that? We found a national developer that has a built for a fee type of spec homes or prefabricated homes that they can bring to the table. And then I was courting a fund, which is our first joint venture, actually. Typically, we syndicate with retail investors, but this one is a fund that I've been talking to for the last 12 months, I would say, to see if we can do some deals together. And they were like, yeah, build to rent, we'll bring in 100% of the money. I don't have to come with a dime from my pocket. They'll co-sign the loan with us, again, on recourse, and we have a 50-50 split, which is way better than a real estate syndication type of model that we do at a lower PREF, 6% PREF instead of 7-8 that we provide. So it just stars aligned for us to do that. And then we were like, okay, this is great. It's almost like buying 100 homes one by one. That's what you're doing. We have our own property management company. How do we expand this model now? Because we can build stuff at a cheaper rate. It's affordability crisis. We need more homes, especially in the Charlotte MSA. We could bring land to the table. We could bring property management to the table. How do we make more cheaper capital to the table? How can we do that? So we're exploring different options. We're going international by the end of the year. I'm going to India and Middle East to find some capital there for that specific purpose. So that would be an exciting side of the business that we are expanding on. If I look at my notes correctly, you quit your job 16 months ago and you said 12 months ago, you started talking to this fund. Yeah. So four months into quitting your job, you knew that you were going to raise a lot of capital. Pretty courageous move there. (laughs) it's an evolution. Unlike many people, my philosophy is I don't put numbers to things. I want 4,000 units or I want this amount of money or anything of that sort. I just feel that if I stay disciplined on what works in this market, like we are completely going aggressive in this market, lowballing at 18% discount offers all the time right now in multifamily, Even though we bought the entirety of 2021, less than 100 units, now we're trying to buy two, 300 units, 500 units at a time because of where the market is and what we can do creatively on the debt side and the equity side. So allowing me to just say, hey, I don't care if I do 100 million or 10 million, as long as my partners and employees make a good living, I can make a decent living. We're good to go. We just continue the momentum and the expansion of business and the way we're building each project is more important to us than having a fancy target. And that philosophy has allowed us for the most part, except a couple of big mistakes that we made, like I've mentioned, for the most part, stay in a very disciplined lane in terms of what we're trying to do. Himmel, what was the anchor asset you mentioned earlier? It was a 60s asset Litech deal. It's taught my partner all about property management and asset management <laughs> more than he wanted to learn. Low-income housing tax credit deal, if your listener doesn't know about Litech. So it's a very compliance-oriented. You'd work with North Carolina Housing Authority all the time. It could have Section 8. It could have non-Section 8. So it's a very compliance-oriented capped tenant base in terms of the type of rents you could charge. But it was just bought by this guy eight, nine years into the making, and he bought it for a couple of million bucks. Beautiful 26 acres property, 
with a school in the middle, community gardens. It was a model asset for the city for us to get into. And again, we love the local aspect of influence, business alliances, council people, the mayor, the, the governor, all of that kind of building that. So that's 246 units. It's an asset called Ladira Crest that we bought in Winston-Salem. Hamill, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Take action more than procrastination. When you're trying to climb a mountain, if you're thinking about what shoes you want to wear and what pack bag you want to bring and what gear and what kind of filtered water you want to bring, I'm telling you folks like myself are going to go barefoot and a half are there by the time you decide to take action. So you better be taking action, make mistakes, fail, put your skin in the game, build that credibility through that have those scars and good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment. So you got to have those. Great advice. Thank you for that. Hamill, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes, let's do it. All right, Hamill, what's the best ever book you recently read? The Alter Ego Effect. It talks about how you can don another coat or you put yourself in an alter ego. A lot of famous celebrities like Beyonce and others do that allows them to have infinite energy. So when I come home from my work and I put in a, a coat around, I need to be a dad now. And that's the, my Batman court. I, I call myself Batman to my kids. So that's how we play and that's how we do things. What happens if you get a phone call while you have that coat on? The phone is in the other room, so it doesn't happen. Good. Well, what's the best ever way you like to give back? Through real estate. My whole world now revolves around real estate. We're going to buy land for climate change and keep trees there. We already have exponential giving, part of our exponential equity brand. We are giving back by saving people's homes from tax foreclosures. So that's one thing that in my flipping world, I knew that people just buy stuff at a very discounted rate from people who lived there for 50, 60 years because they couldn't pay taxes on their homes. We're doing a lot around that as well. I love that. And Hamel, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? My email address is hemel, H-E-M-A-L, at exponential-equity.com. Our company's name is Exponential-Equity. And my cell phone number is 980-254-5692. Happy to connect with anyone who's looking in the world of real estate and talk about things. Hemel, thank you again for joining us today and sharing your story. You quit your job 16 months ago and scaled to an incredible business in a very short amount of time. And thanks for giving us some of the tips and tricks on how you got there. Thank you for inviting me here. It was a pleasure. Best ever listeners, thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Share the podcast with someone you think can benefit from it. Also, follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day.